And good morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're watching this edition of Hypnosis Week with myself, Alex Williams-Smith, better known to many of you as Jonathan Royal, hypnotist of MagicalGuru.com. It's my great pleasure this week to have a guest with me who has been dubbed within the industry as the Hypnosensei, as in the martial arts version of Sensei, but martial arts of the mind, uh, Mr. Keith Anthony Taylor, who is a Harley Street hypnotherapist and significantly, as I've discovered before when he's kindly had me on his uh, podcast, has first-hand, real-world, not some heard a story second-hand, but real-world experience of being in a Tavistock-controlled uh, hospital and by Tavistock I mean as in Tavistock Institute which prior to that years ago was the Tavistock uh, clinic on hospitals and that is linked in with to those people who want to go and look more into it to uh, the CIA linked projects of MK Ultra Mind Control. So welcome to the show Keith. Thank you, Alex. It's great to be here. Do you like to be called Alex on this call or Jonathan? Whichever you want, because just to confuse matters, I mentioned both of them at the beginning. I know it's the it's the it's the madness of my life. But yeah, I mean, I I've been on your podcast, so I know, already know a fair bit of your story. But hopefully, this uh, show is going to reach a, a wider audience over the next weeks and months that it's out there in the ether of the internet. So um, I'm literally going to start off with this dead simple question how right now you're a Harley Street hypnotherapist how did you end up getting to this point in your life where you're a, a Harley Street hypnotherapist that I know established names in the business come to when they want a bit of hypnotherapy for themselves well it's a long story because I, I uh, 40 years ago it's hard to know where to start because for the last 41 years I've been on a, a long journey of recovery which started at the hands of the Tavistock Institute although at the time I didn't know anything about Tavistock Institute in fact I didn't know anything about anything because I, I had a really bad accident I had just about total amnesia I didn't even know what people were oh. but at that time I was in a hospital in Wimbledon uh, with, with Tavistock were there I now know because I've done my research as you have about MK Ultra and Tavistock Institute and how they have feelers in everything I'm sure you know what I mean by that they, they are they are really at the root of medicine in the UK in America throughout the world if if you go to a psychiatrist anywhere I well, let, let me take that back because there's a lot of good psychiatrists out there, I'm sure. But if, if you go into psychiatry anywhere, they are putting their feelers into it, getting involved with it and very much trying to control it. But I, I was in Atkinson Morley Hospital, uh, which, if, if I remember, was in Copse Hill in, in Wimbledon. It's now been pulled down. It's turned into a housing estate, although they still retain the names with a major head injury after a, a motorcycle accident and, and I was paralyzed from the neck down, uh, unable to move, un unable to do anything. I was in a coma, uh, diagnosed a cabbage, although reports vary on that. 
and I was not likely to last the night. So I'm a, a remarkable example of the power of the mind to overcome everything. And that, that's what hypnotists are, are telling everybody. You can overcome anything if you engage this. But unfortunately, the Tavistock Institute and, and the MK Ultra are out there fighting a battle to engage this for 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 covert and um well i'm trying to think of the word that, that embodies nefarious. that's the word nefarious words nasty means nefarious means not for our good and that's what they were involved in at that um the at the the um it's gone from my mind now what was the name of the hospital can't oh, come back to me but but uh, they were in the hospital there, and the, the hospital itself had um, very good reputation for being the, the top brain surgery hospital in, in, in the country. Mm-hmm. But what they were doing in the background, they, they were doing experimentation on us, the patients. And a lot of the patients were crippled and died because of the research and the experimentation that they were doing on the patients and I was in there aware that this was happening and I was terrified because I knew that my parents had signed the release documents, the release forms for me to be next in line. And I begged them not to because I said to my parents, they're experimenting on people in here. They're using us as cannon fodder. They're using us as live cadavers. And and the surgeon, the doctors were standing beside me at the time. And they said to my parents, there you are. There's proof that he's nuts. He needs this to be done because he's sick. Mm. And uh, I was like, I I can't use plain language because there are perhaps some teenagers and children listening to this. Certainly won't be children because my channel is marked for over 18s only. Yes, but there is some very plain language I could use to describe how I felt at the time because I was incapable of looking after myself. I couldn't get out. I couldn't escape. And I was not very happy about my predicament. And that caused me a lot of emotional trauma that took me. And 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 to be honest, I haven't dealt with that emotional trauma even now because I feel it right now. But I've learned how to handle it, because if, if you talk to me four or five years ago, I would have been a blubbering mess. I, I would not be able to describe to you how how that affected me and how I feel about it. And and that's why I'm such a good therapist now, because when I talk to my clients, I understand fully what they are going through, what they're feeling with some of the, the terrible traumas that you and I know that some people have experienced. And that's uh, and I can see from the way you're nodding, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Jonathan. Yeah, what I was also thinking is that it, it, I find I found it's weird that people quite often tend to attract the type of client that they're best equipped to treat. And I don't mean through their advertising, because they might be trying yes. to go down one rule, but will naturally attract the type of client that's right for them. So given your background, you, you, you likely are to, you're likely to have seen more clients in that kind of Yes. Sphere. I, I have. I, I, I do attract a lot of trauma and that, that makes it um, that's good for them because it, it helps them. It, it makes it very hard for me because the the trauma never ends because it, it's bringing more trauma to me. And um, I, I and I have to be very careful uh, 
to make sure that that I I deal with releasing not only my trauma but the trauma that I attract. Otherwise, I'm going to become very sick. Yeah. Actually, I've got a sore throat right now. I'm sucking my piece of ginger root. Very good for sore throats, by the way. If anyone ever gets a sore throat, use don't use a throat lozenge. Use a piece of ginger root. Great stuff. Little tip for you there. Excellent. But but um, y- you know that when when we get trauma in our lives, that that has a definite negative impact on our bodies, and it causes sickness, doesn't it? And we have to make sure that we go to a therapist, or a, or a hypnotist, or whatever kind of therapist to make sure that we can release those traumas because it's stored in the body, isn't it, Jonathan? And eventually it releases itself as disease of some kind. And uh, that will bring you to an early demise. Like, for instance, not necessarily, but quite often cancer. That is that stress being released in the body, isn't it? Now, I I know. So some questions I'll throw you purposely for the benefit of the people at home, because I already know the answers and you know that I know them because we've spoken before. But are you saying for the benefit of people watching this at home that the human mind through stress and trauma that's not dealt with, it can lead to causing things like cancer and other things that get labelled as being terminal illnesses? Yes. That is my experience and my belief. Now, we're not allowed to, because of the um, 1940s Cancer Act, we're not allowed to say, so I'm saying that up front, we're not allowed to say in that context or advertise that we can offer cures uh, to things like cancer or or life, uh, you know, that are labelled as terminal illnesses. But in terms of this hypothetical uh, conversation interview, Are you saying that it is possible, maybe, that uh, the power of the mind could reverse those things? Um, I'm saying it's possible with the power of mind that we could steer people so they they take a different track. So the sicknesses are down that track and we can give somebody a lifestyle of avoidance. So we take them down another track so they never reach those those areas where they might get sick we 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 go down a track of avoidance rather than we we don't need to think about cure because if you get presented with somebody who only discovers you when it's the lowest moment as they're perceiving it at that time they've just been diagnosed perhaps with cancer and told they've only got six months to live well, well, in that case, we're, we're because of the 1939 Cancer Act, we, we can't talk about cure because that would be illegal. Uh, we can't talk about treatment because that would be illegal, wouldn't it? It would if we said that that is the route we go. But let's just, OK, how can I put it? You see it in women's magazines quite often, the person they were given six months to live and eight years later, they are still alive and they're doing amazing things with their life. And But when their doctors are approached, their doctors try and uh, fob off what that person says was they might have done self-hypnosis, they might have done visualisation, they might have done self-healing techniques, whatever. But then the doctor will fob it off as they're just incredibly lucky that they're still in remission because they, obviously they don't want to admit that when you get into like five, eight years down the line, that surely, arguably, that's... Uh, You've overcome it. Yeah, well, it's 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 a very difficult 
we're, we're walking on tacks, aren't we, as therapists? Because I, I have had clients who who've had cancer and they're still alive, and and I've supported them, uh, and um, they're still alive. That's all I'm allowed to say. And I, I gave I gave them dietary suggestions. I gave them motivation. I, I gave I asked I asked them I always ask them I asked them do you want to live and they they will invariably say yes and I and I say to them do you want to start and they say yes and I say let's go then and they say yes and I I just give them ideas for dietary changes I give them ideas for belief changes and that's what I do and when I do that then I, I just I, I can't promise and I, I don't I, I, I say I'm, I'm not promising you anything but I, I do say that if, if we release all that stress and release all that emotion and use forgiveness techniques I use forgiveness techniques a lot then um, that, that's all I can do could you explain what you mean by forgiveness techniques please for the viewers yes well a lot, a lot of the time people go through their lives blaming themselves for their failures don't they and they they feel that they're they're lacking in something they, they feel that um they've they've let themselves down they feel they've let other people down they feel they could have done better but i always use this this phrase that all you can do is all you can do but all you can do is enough but that's we're never done when it's never over until it's over is another phrase that I use and we we um when, when I'm with clients we you know we use these metaphors all the time if we, if we keep bringing out these metaphors and the client is listening then it, it just keeps the door open doesn't it because we can make up these metaphors until the cows come home don't we and it keeps the door open for the client and get, gives the client the idea that not more can... specifically, Lou, in terms of what you said about forgiveness, how do you get them? What what sort of process do you do or techniques do you use to get them to forgive themselves in the context of what you just said? Forgiving themselves. Well, it's 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 not too difficult. We we just it's just a matter of you know I, I use the mirror technique looking in the mirror and and saying to them that they're a good person and loving themselves giving themselves a pat on the back and letting them know that they're okay and you know the child within and, and that kind of stuff a any anything like that is is a step towards forgiveness isn't it forgiving them you know they, they blame them you know people very often when, when when their family die and friends die they, they they think that it's something that they did or could have done or should have done. Like I, my father is 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 dying now, and I I you know I I could blame myself for the the food I gave him a few days ago. That that you know that could do all kinds of things like that, but I, I don't do that because I know I'm not at fault. So I I don't. I don't need to forgive myself because I, I know that I'm not at fault. But other people don't see it that way. And you just have to talk to them about what it is that they, they feel guilty about and let them understand that they're not guilty. And so they can forgive themselves because they were not guilty. 
do you do this is this stuff that you do uh, in a uh, an eyes open waking state or is this stuff that you do when you've got them in trance well, a lot of the stuff I do is, is eyes open. It's, it's just talking. Um, very often I get one of my downfalls is, is that um, people tell me I fix them before I get to the appointment stage. <laughs> and um, I, I must stop doing that because I don't even realize I'm doing it. Well, that's uh, certainly the kind of that's that's the kind of feedback you want. Though. I mean, yeah. so is that what you would call? Because what you've described to me sounds like very solid therapeutic techniques as opposed to the winky-wanky, and I call it winky-wanky, winky-wankiness of conversational Ericksonian hypnosis. Personally, I think Erickson was a shit hypnotist, but anyway, it's yes. my personal well, well, I, I originally became a hypnotist because people said to me that, Keith, Keith you, you must be a hypnotist. And I always thought they were saying, I'm just boring is that that was my my view of a hypnotist and and but i picked up a book on hypnosis eventually and read through it and and i thought in the conversational kinds i thought well i'm doing a lot of this already so there must be something in it but you you were talking about the tavistock there's some some interesting things that, that i've been thinking about over the last few days okay that strange things that that i realize have been happening because when i went into that hospital that was caused by a, a motorcycle accident and um I, I was hit head on by a motorcycle i head on by a car i mean while i was on a motorcycle and that that put me into the hospital initially and that was a motorcycle that was a car coming out from the left and then hitting us head on and i was riding pillion at that time with mm. with um and uh, on on the you know, with a notorious Hell's Angel gang because you won't believe it, but I, I used to know some Hell's Angels and they made better friends than enemies, so I made friends with them, which was That's smart right. to be doing because they were in my local area and going in my local pubs, and um, that put me in the hospital, and that got me there. But but a year earlier, exactly a year earlier, virtually April, mm. I was I was in Germany. In exactly the same scenario, with with um, gang of bikers touring Europe on Harleys, just the same. Um, and uh, I was riding pillion then, because I, I was elected to be the navigator. So I left my machine at home because it wasn't running properly. So I was elected to be the navigator. And I was on pillion all across Europe. And, and on that occasion, I, I was on one particular machine, my friend Peter's bike, all the way across Europe. But on that occasion, I got off his machine and went on the back of someone else's machine for some reason. And he was hit by by a, a car coming from the other direction, hit him head on from the left exactly a year ago. And I was I feel I was supposed to be in that accident. And and um, that, that, that was two aspects and almost identical accidents that's two aspects and the other strange thing about it is that uh, uh, that was 1977 the first accident 1978 the second accident and the other strange thing is that the first accident my, my friend peter had his ankle severed you know literally his foot was off and he was in a ditch and i gave him first aid i was not trained in hypnosis I gave him first aid 
And I must have some water because I'm going through one of these trauma points. And it's made my mouth dry. And I was not trained in hypnosis in any way. And but looking back on it, what I did with him was classic hypnosis because I, I realized that he was going to die of shock if he went to sleep. So I kept him awake and I talked to him that this was eyes open hypnosis, kept him awake. And I talked to him. His ankle was severed. It was bleeding. And I quickly thought, shall I put a tourniquet on it? And I thought, no, his best chances are if I don't tourniquet him because we want to be able to reattach that foot when he gets to hospital. Yeah. But it took four hours for the ambulance to find us in the Black Forest. Four, four hours. Bloody hell. I, and the, the strange thing was, we were only about half an hour from the hospital. Freiburg Hospital it was, I believe. It, it was Freiburg Hospital. And his ankle was bleeding. So I, I used hypnosis to tell the ankle to stop bleeding. So I, I said... So I kept him calm, talking to him like I'm talking to you. And I said, now your ankle is just going to bleed just enough to clean the wound. And then it's going to stop bleeding now. As the actual words I said. So I watched it bleed just a little bit, cleaned the wound. And I said, stop bleeding now. And it stopped bleeding. And it stopped bleeding for four hours. Bloody hell. And, and I'm not, the, the thing that, strikes me is that I was not trained in hypnosis and I'm thinking where did I get that knowledge from because I was never trained in hypnosis now year and I move forward a year later I was in a hospital I was paralyzed from neck down I'd been diagnosed a uh, cabbage that means I've got no intellect I, I came out of that coma not knowing what people were apparently I mean, not apparently. I knew I didn't know what people were. They were like aliens moving around. It was very scary. And then I somehow, I, I was labeled an unruly patient because I wouldn't accept that I was paralyzed. And they wouldn't teach me how to walk after I did start to get the feeling back in my body using mirroring techniques and using NLP. I knew nothing about. In fact, NLP hadn't even been invented in 1978. And But I, I, I watched people walking around the ward and I, I, I thought that looks pretty cool. So I, I watched everything they were doing. That I looks listened. Pretty cool. Yeah, I listened to the way they were talking because I couldn't speak either. And and I I just copied everything they were doing and, and I sort of mir locked it into my mind and mirrored it. And then obviously I got walking again. I fell down a lot as well. Now you fall down nine times, you get up ten times, got a lot of bruises. And then when I was walking around the ward, there were people that couldn't walk, and, and I, I saw the way that the PhD doctors and were getting these people to their feet and then just let, letting them go, and they were falling on the floor, and they couldn't get them to walk. So I, I went around, and I watched this and observed what they were doing, and, and they were, can I say assholes? They were assholes. They were assholes, the way they were treating these patients. And, and I just went around the wards, and I talked with the patients, and as a hypnotist does, and I talked with them and I and one of them, I got him to walk again. He walked the length of the ward with me and his legs would have been atrophied because he hadn't been walking a long time. Yeah. But I got him to walk again. And th the question I have in my mind was I was brain damaged. I had complete amnesia and I was using classic hypnosis skills. Where did I get that knowledge from? 
if I hadn't been, and I nearly used the F word, messed about by mm-hmm. somebody like the Tavistock Institute. While I was in, I, I, while, while I was, I mean, I, was I in coma? What was happening to me before I came back awake? I don't know. I, I only know the story that's been given to me. Mm-hmm. What you do know is that based on, on, on the evidence that they were saying and documents were such that you weren't supposed to be here right now, let alone sat here having a highly intelligent conversation. Yes. Um, that they were, this is the simplistic yes. view of looking at it, they were wrong in what yes. their diagnosis was, or they were purposely wrong and lying because they had nefarious in, yes. intents of experimenting. Yes. Yes. Did I send you a copy of my MRI the other day? I, I think you I did. did. Yeah, yeah, it's on the uh, on Facebook on my profile, Alex William Smith. So it's uh, facebook.com yes. forward slash Alex the Hypnotist. Yes. And if you go into the photos, the albums, there's one for Hypnosis Week with p- pictures of the mm-hmm. presenters, uh, guess rather. And uh, you will see in there an image has been put up by Keith of his um, brain scan, yeah. Yes. you want to explain a little bit about them, people can search the images out. Yes. Well, there, there was a brain scan done of me on the 27th of August last year while I was in, while I was brave enough to go into another hospital for four days. A foolish thing to do, knowing that they're all run by the Tavistock Institute. And I was in there for four days and uh, or, or had, the, had the appearance of being four days. Of course, I could have been there for six months, all I know. I, I, sus- I, I don't. I suspect not, but um, that's the kind of thing that could be happening. You'd never know the difference, would you? Not without getting evidence from external sources. I, I, yes. I can. I can confidently say you didn't appear to go missing for that long. Okay. Yes. But um, I was in there for four days, and they did an MRI while I was there, or CT scan, or whatever it was, and it appears to show that that from what the neurosurgeon professor Kopp, he's a german says that i have 80 percent brain damage and and a, a friend of mine in the usa looked at that and, and she said god keith you're you she's because she, she's a medical student she said you should be blind and, and deaf and and really sick based on what she saw and that was only one slice of the brain i've seen it from top down and back i mean to that front. proves the power of neuro what the the term that gets bandied around now, neuroplasticity, and the yeah. studies that are now showing that they used to say if you lost the use of a certain area of the brain, yes. the function was screwed. But now yes. they're showing that other parts can take over. And clearly you, by focusing and not giving up, mm. got your brain to take over those functions. Well, well I, I said to them at the time, 41 years ago, 1978, I said, well, I'll, I'll rewire my mind. And they said, you're nuts. And we we didn't call it neuroplasticity back in they 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 discovered it years later with with um after doing lots of brain surgery experiments on people mm-hmm. but but they were they were doing all the brain surgery experiments on people in that hospital at midnight they would wheel the beds out and I used to say why are you doing this at midnight you know why don't you do it during the day I said with saving power and stuff but they wheel the beds out and a lot of them would never come back and those that did come back. I'd have been chatting to them during the day 
And then they come back, they couldn't talk anymore, or they were blind, or they were crippled. And then they'd stay there a couple of days and then they'd vanish. You'd never see I them again. Say, I totally believe you. There will be some people watching this thinking, oh, this sounds like the plot for a film. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, watching this, do your research on MK Ultra. Do your research on the Tavistock Institute on what it really is and the predecessor of the Tavistock Hospital, well, Tavistock uh, Clinic as it was. I cover those subjects a little bit in my documentary, Extreme Danger, Extreme Hypnosis. Uh, but Keith has had first-hand experience, and my research shows this genuinely was taking place. And I would argue, if I had to bet money on it, is still taking place. Of course it is. They're, they're experimenting, putting electrodes on people's brains and all kinds of things. And I think to myself, how many of these people are doing it voluntarily? When I was in, the, the it was Atkinson Morley Hospital, there was a rehabilitation centre next door called the Wolfson Rehab Centre. And I went into there to be re rehabilitated and, and supposedly to teach me how to walk. And that was very odd because I walked in. I'm thinking, why are they teaching me how to walk in the place I'm walking into? And it was, And, and they also supposedly, I was going in there to be taught how to speak. But I'd already taught myself how to speak again while I was in the hospital next door, which is another very odd thing. And uh, I, I stayed in there for a number of weeks, being very closely monitored. And um, it was very much a prison environment it was. Uh, it was a very strange environment. And and if you if you ever watch the film One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, it it's purported to be a comedy. But I can't watch that movie because it terrifies me. Absolutely scares me, scares the bejesus out of me watching that movie. Because I, when I watch that, it's it's got so many parallels to the hospital I was in, and and I and I've had ECT, electroconvulsive therapy. They gave that to me as a punishment because I wouldn't accept that I was paralysed. So here I am, a brain damaged man, 80% brain damage. And they took me down for electroconvulsive therapy to make me behave. I know this to be true because of my research, but I know some people watching this will be like, whoa, this sounds science fiction. It sounds conspiracy. And I can only stress again, guys and girls, seriously, do your research on Tavistock Clinic. Do your research on MK Ultra. There's a lot of declassified documents now, CIA documents that make mention of um, of, of trauma-based uh, and physical trauma and torture-based experiments taking place. And there are declassified documents that prove that Joseph Mengel, who was one of the Nazis who did the atrocious experiments in uh, Germany, was smuggled into America and was part of MK Ultra. The evidence is there that, that that's no longer a conspiracy theory, it's a conspiracy fact. And if those things that are there that are in the declassified stuff, imagine if they were still doing experiments, they obviously wouldn't declassify that, would they? Um, you know, so... Yes, but M MK Ultra has been officially closed down, hasn't it? Yeah, but they closed down. There were things before it. There's been so many offshoots, different names. You know, why does the Tavistock 
institutes of human relations still exist. They say it's to look at how to influence people and make them feel better psychologically and all this, that, and the other. That's the front, or how it can be used in advertising and all this. But when you look back, they do route to the Tavistock uh, Clinic and MK Ultra. They're in the exact same building, and it's not a coincidence, they're by design in the same building as the British Psychological Society, yes. uh, which is linked in with psychiatry and DSM-5, and the whole conspiracy to medicate the population and label yes. things. And give full control of it. They want total control of the population in every way, don't they? They want us to be robots. And it's, it's probably not it's probably not a coincidence that I, I don't watch Doctor Who. I'm not a fan, but I can I can remember that many years ago there was there was an episode of Doctor Who where we had robo men men with bands around their head that controlled their brains and turned them into robots. And uh, I think that's probably not a coincidence. And that, that was run by the BBC, of course. Wasn't it? A lot of a lot of stuff, arguably, is run in advance that is possible to achieve. The public aren't aware of that. And then it's put into popular culture to make people feel comfortable to the possibility so when it does happen, and we're seeing it happen now with things like, uh, off the top of my head, I don't want to slander or libel anyone, but I think it's Elon Musk, is it, who's yes. invested into the mind being interlinked with computers and stuff? Yes. Mm. What, well, the mind is being interlinked with computers, even as, and this is why I don't subscribe to them, I don't have a mobile phone or a smartphone, because look around you. Are we being controlled by devices already? Everywhere. People have got their heads down in devices. I'm having to avoid people everywhere because I can't walk in a straight line because everybody's got their head down looking at their mobile device, bumping yeah. into me. And I want to poke them in the eye and say, look where you're going. Wake them up. I've been turned into sleepwalking zombies, which is... Yes. It's no coincidence. That's why the subtitle of my documentary is It's Time for the Sleepwalking Zombies yes. to Wake Up. A lot of a lot of people have got their their eye the eye um the, the earpiece in as well, so they don't even have to look at the thing. They're being controlled by the earpiece, giving them direction, tell them where to go, and tell them what to think, what to see. Also, there's people in some countries now, uh, Sweden certainly, a lot of people have started volunteering uh, to make it easier at work, getting microchips, they're getting in and out of yes. buildings and stuff. Yes. And there's evidence out there that that can be used to make uh, chemical changes in the body to cause illness or make a person's mood change to, to, to yes. control well, them. Well, they're, they're wrapped in plastic, aren't they? And plastic causes cancer because they, they, for many years, dogs have had those and lots of dogs are getting tumours. Uh, that's why I don't want one. It's also a, a radio frequency device, and, and the radio frequency gives you tumours as well. So I don't want... I, I was in, in London the other day, and I was shocked to see... Because I, I, I see lots of people swiping their mobile devices to get through the barriers, and I was shocked to see somebody swipe his wrist to get through a barrier. I thought, my God, when did that start happening? Or was it because they had the watch on? Did they have a watch on? Because no, there are there was, watches now. No, he, he didn't have a watch. It was just his wrist. He Bloody swiped hell. his wrist. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked. Could have been somebody visiting from Sweden, hey, who's already got the chip. Maybe. How do you think these things are going to impact on what you and people like your good self do in terms of the world of hypnotherapy? Because if people end up chipped or, or, or mind controlled to such a degree, what chance are we going to stand to help people? Well, I, I think that um, eventually, you know, I, I can see the scenario where, where the government will think that we're terrorists because we're trying to wake people up. Okay, in terms of what we've just been talking about, I can immediately say, yeah, I could imagine that happening. It's happening around us now. People who talk about stuff that's too controversial, their social media channels are getting shut down and stuff. But I mean, in a more generalized form, um, you know, as a, a therapist helping people overcome habits, addictions, uh, fears and phobias, how effective do you think it's going to be, saying, 20 years time when people are perhaps linked in with computers like elon musk is saying is going to be possible and once or a chipped and stuff it's, it's going to become harder and harder and harder it's an uphill struggle because we can show through through um brain plasticity that the brain does undergo changes when we use devices and when we use you know if we're a computer gamer it it, it does cause changes in in, in the mind it's been shown that when you use 3D headsets, it causes physical changes in the brain. And that's without being linked electronically to external devices. When in the future, we're trying to do therapy with somebody's brain, you know, and, and the brain isn't even inside the head, it's external. How, how are we going to do therapy with a brain that that is non-local? Because even without the electronics outside i i know that your brain is non-local even now you you think it's all in here but a lot of it is is out here in in the spirit world and i know that you you don't necessarily believe that from, from, i don't i don't believe in the psychic uh, sense but i do believe in the quantum physics sense yes that, that's that, what I, uh this body i do believe that when i die the body will get buried or burnt or whatever but that I'll still be the me, the essence of me will still exist in some form. Yes. Well, we are we are dealing with that now, and that's hard enough dealing with with our, a mind that, that is non-local. But when but when Elon Musk and all his pals start to tamper with that electronically, then we're going to be dealing with a, a, a brain that is shared on a database somewhere it's going to be getting mixed up with everybody else's brains and thoughts that's really going to screw the mix isn't it yeah certainly as far as i'm concerned and obviously people make their own personal choices generally speaking unless of course they manage to engineer some legal reason like they're doing with vaccines to if you don't do this you can't do that um, I would say do not ever consent to be connected to a computer or be chipped in the fashion that we've been talking. That's your only real defence, isn't it, I would say? Yes, but that, that's when has the government ever, ever worried about consent? 
Okay, and I, I know what the kinds of things you're alluding to here, but I mean, this is stuff that perhaps viewers will be thinking, what do you mean? The government wouldn't do things they're not allowed to do. Well, yeah, they would, um, as, as we've touched on before. So let me throw this one at you. The media, which is controlled largely by the money men of the world, which is the elites, which are the people who use things like um, you know, MK Ultra studies and all that kind of stuff are in more recent times. Cambridge Analytica, which was linked, uh, the parent company uh, being um, Strategic Communications Laboratories, SCL, yes. rigged the elections through manipulating people's emotions. Um, would you say that rather than us as therapists actually hypnotising people, that we're arguably more waking them up because those other things are the things that are hypnotising them. Well, I'm always trying to wake people up. It's, it's, you know yourself, it's very hard to wake people up when they've been seduced for so long by by um technology you you know how much people are seduced by their smartphone you if you're in a conversation with somebody how long does the conversation last when the smartphone beeps the head's straight down isn't it if if you're if you're in a therapy session with somebody you've got to tell them to turn it off but when you you see the look on their face when you tell them turn it off they don't like it do they well, there's now a no. There's now a DSM. Well, they label everything, don't they? DSM, uh, Diagnostic Statistical Medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, they've now given it a label: smartphone mm-hmm. uh, addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've forgotten what the actual label is, but there's a, there's now an official DSM five label for it, so that they can prescribe. Obviously, the reason they have to do that because once it's in DSM five, they can prescribe drugs and make money out. Yes. Yes. Rather than what you would do, I imagine, as a therapist from the conversations that we've had before, you give people the willpower and self-worth within themselves to not need an extra like on their Instagram post to make them feel better, actually make them feel good within themselves. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it horrifies me, the thought of having – I haven't got one. It horrifies me, the thought of taking possession of a smartphone – I would be nauseous. The thought of carrying a smartphone, let alone the idea of being irradiated by it, because they give you cancer. They they are so bad for you. But I can't even escape it now with 5G being all over the place on every single lamppost and beaming down from all the satellites. That is That is the government giving us, radiating us without our consent, because they didn't ask me. As I've never, I've never had a smartphone or a mobile phone because I don't consent to being irradiated by it. But so they've decided, well, okay, we're going to do it to him anyway, whether or not he likes it. For those people who don't know, 5G technology is not just a faster version of 4G, meaning you get your videos quicker. Although that you would get your videos quicker, for example, without buffering. The reason is because it's not the same. It doesn't work the same way as 4G or 3G. It's what they call millimeter wave technology, which if you do your research has been used on the battlefields with military as a, as a weapon 
to purposely disperse crowds and stuff or to burn the skin surface of people. Um, and there is evidence out there for those who bother to look for it that it does cause terminal illnesses rapidly. Um, because it's pulsed. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'd, don't take I'd, our word for it, my word, or key to do it. Actually, look, the evidence is there if you search for it, but you're being distracted away from that. You won't see the majority of the mainstream media saying 5G is bad because uh, they make loads of money from advertising from the companies that are bringing this in. And also they're controlled by the governments that want to allow this to happen. And uh, it's all part of Agenda 2030, which is to depopulate yes. the planet. Yeah. It's it's for takedown of the population and it's for surveillance because they can see you in your homes because we light up like Christmas trees under 5G because of all the metals that they've sprayed in the atmosphere, which we've all ingested, breathed in. And you, you're, you look like a, a fluorescent light when you're under 5G phased array radar systems. And there's going to be people watching this thinking, bloody hell. Jonathan Rawls lost the plot, and that guest he's got on, he started off at the beginning going, he's a highly respected hypnotherapist, he's got a highly street clinic. Other people in the industry go to him for therapy sessions, and they do, because I've seen the feedback on, on online from uh, named, established colleagues going, thanks for that therapy session, thanks for the relaxation. All of that's true, people, who, who've not encountered Keith before. He has, does, and it continues to do those things. What he's saying isn't about shit crazy. He's lived it firsthand. What I'm saying and keep saying gets labelled as being conspiracy theories by the people that have got something to hide. Um, and those people, sadly, to the mass populace, the newspapers, oh, they wouldn't lie. Politicians, they wouldn't lie. Well, yes, they bloody well would. Do some research and you'll see what, what, what keeps saying is true. And I've... And I've lived it since 1970 when I entered industry and the electronics um, world with uh, a government company. Oh, OK. Tell us a bit more, as much as you can do, that is. Well, I, I joined, uh, I left school aged 15 and uh, joined uh, a company as an apprentice and walked into a completely different world, you know, because in school we were using pencils and notepads and had a limited view of the world because we'd been dumbed down by education. Mm-hmm. And then I went into industry in, in a factory called Mullards, which was which was an electronics company where we made cathode ray tubes for televisions and cathode ray tubes for radios. And we, we were also making image intensifiers for, for the military and radar equipment and microwaves and that kind of stuff. So we're, we're also doing a lot of high, very high voltage, very high frequency um, weapons in there. And so uh, I, I learned from a very young age the dangers of radio. And I was taught straight away that there is no safe level of EMF, RF or microwave. And we learned lessons. The first lesson I learned when I went into the lab was to remove all metal from my body. No, no coins, no necklaces, no rings, because they get very hot very quickly. And they attract the, the, the radiation. Mm-hmm. 
And so this was opened my eyes because I'd, I'd never thought that a, a transistor radio could injure me before that. But this was a concept that I was suddenly hit with that I could be injured by something as 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 um, innocent as a transistor radio. You know those pocket radios we used to carry around with yeah. us, little yeah. tiny things like that. Yeah. These were giving off, off rays that could injure you. I'd never heard that in the media, but once I was in industry, I, I heard the truth that radio can hurt you. So um, there I was. And, and the, the thing that was interesting about that factory was that it was running on <coughs> sorry, two levels because we had a lot of very old technology. Well, it was not old in the day. But we had thermionic valves, you know, glass bottles with that, that glowed. This was pre-transistor days mm -hmm. that drove the televisions and radios of the day. But at the same time, we had a lot of very advanced technology that Bill Gates didn't get until 10 or 15 years later in the 80s. Right. We had that already. And and I, I would ask, where, where did this stuff come from? And, and it was a need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know. And we had... Although we had these valves on one side, we had integrated circuits in there as well, and nobody was saying where they came from all of a sudden. Because we, 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 we in that factory, we were just discovering transistors, just discovering them, oh. and we had integrated circuits as well. So if we only just discovered transistors, how, how come we had integrated circuits as well? Uh, we also had, um, we were building image intensifiers for for the military this is very sophisticated kit and even as a 15 year old it was obvious to me that this could only have come out of roswell or somewhere like that okay that's interesting because on another edition of uh, hypnosis week i'm going to be interviewing spiros malaris yes who uh famously in recent friend, friend of mine all right you know spiros excellent yes well, he's come clean and admitted that he hoaxed the uh, famous alien autopsy video that a UFO buffs believed, a lot of them believed anyway, for years was proof of an autopsy being done at uh, Roswell. Uh, but it now turns out that it was a biggest hoax of all time and um, Spiros will be going into how we pulled that hoax off. But I've asked Spiros the question categorically, does he believe law that because that was a hoax that that means nothing ever happened at Roswell um, does that mean there's no such thing as aliens in the context of that thing mm -hmm. and interestingly he said well nobody can really say that there's not life somewhere else and that you know nobody knows for sure so it's still inconclusive are you saying that you believe that you were dealing with technologies at the time the general public didn't know about and therefore could only really have been deemed alien, shall we say? Well, I, I'm, I'm saying that we had a dual standard there. There were technologies there that were where it came. Whoa, hang on. Can you hear me? You've gone silent. Your mic. I cannot hear you. 
I can hear you messing with your mic, but only when I asked you that question did we lose sound from you. Still can't hear you. Can you hear me now? It's coming back. Sound is coming back. Oh, that's strange. I, I, I went to my mic settings and my mic had been switched to another mic setting. Which you most certainly didn't do because I know you weren't moving. Yeah, because you know, I got the flashing light back on on my mic. Now that shows it's, it's working. Call it coincidence, if this was Yuri Gallery, he'd be saying, well, these things happen when I'm around. But truly, it was just as you started answering the question of uh, me having asked you about, do you think you were dealing with alien sort technologies? Well, I, I, um, what, what I think is, is, is obvious of interest to somebody. Yes. Who, who doesn't want us to be talking about this kind of thing? Because I, I do think that I've, I've, I think I've been tracked all my life. by, And, and, and I, what, what, it, what I don't know is, why they anyone would be interested in tracking me i'm nobody in real but maybe maybe i was just randomly picked at birth and, and they decided let's let's use him for well you know if you look, go down deep the rabbit down the deep rabbit hole of investigating mk ultra there's like the monarch mind-controlled slaves where they do pick people from birth yes um uh, yes. But there again, maybe they think you saw something that you didn't in those environments. And what you mentioned about the accidents and the testing was a way of finding out if you had seen things you weren't supposed to have done. Yes, maybe I was more more aware of my surroundings than, than I should have been, because I'm quite an intelligent person. I, I see into things that, that I shouldn't see. So to kind of, because we've only got about just under 10 minutes left, to bring this back to hypnotherapy, because we've gone off on one, it might seem to viewers at home, but the thing is this, this is very relevant, and there's very few people out there who've got the balls and the guts. There's plenty of people I know that on a private basis will admit to me and other people that they're aware of the mind control goes on, brainwashing goes on, and to be honest, even the average man on the street with a, a certain number of brain cells knows that you know politicians will lie to try and influence things that's the low level stuff but to talk about the stuff that you have done in the past uh, hour it takes balls because some people because they've been conditioned up anyone who talks about this stuff must be a nut job a conspiracy theorist but the thing is if you actually take time to do your own independent research and investigation you find more and more mounting evidence that what I've been saying, what Keith's been saying, what we've both given you examples of, did happen, has happened, and is happening. And if there's evidence of that on this level, what's going on that we can't find evidence of? Because real, you know, stuff beyond that, surely there'd be protections in place to try and cover it up. So... Pushing that aside, because that's a very relevant area, what it does give is, Keith, a unique insight into, as he said earlier, traumas to be more empathic and able to help people in those areas. So how would you say what you do, hypnotherapeutically speaking, because you were doing it naturally without realising it, as you've told us, then when you became more aware that you 
through the training you became aware well hang on I was already doing that without having gone through formal training do you find you're still doing it that way or that things have evolved as you've consciously become a hypnotherapist um I I think um I have evolved in many ways but I I I think that um I'm a I like to think I'm a better therapist than I used to be. I, I, I've learned a lot of useful techniques that, that I can use, but um, I, I don't like calling myself a hypnotherapist. It frightens people, I think. I, I um, Okay, what do you actually call yourself then? I know, obviously, I know you as, and a lot of people know you dubbed as the hypnosensei. Yeah. I... Um, I prefer therapist, but hip, hypnotherapist is not a good word. I don't think. I, th- I think we need to move away from that and find a better word. I, I haven't really found a good word, but with with, with all the new techniques I've learned, pe- people come with an expectation of being hypnotized. I, I I'd rather people came with an expectation of of being moved from where they are to where they need to be. Excellent point. No, yeah. want, I mean, you, if you want to sleep, go to bed and you'll feel rested in the morning. Uh, you don't want to pay me to just put you to sleep and have a, have a rest, do you? You need to move from where you are to where you need to. So, so people need to, people, people need when they come to me to, to know what they want. So I, I often ask people, what is it you want when they come to me? If I know what, what it is it they want, then I can help them to move them from where they are to where they need to be. So, so with, with me, I, I was, I have this, or I had this trauma. And I said to you, I still have this trauma. It's still in me, but I, I need to move from where I was years ago, where I couldn't talk about the things I've been talking with you today without being a blabbering mess. So yeah. I needed to move from that state to, to a position where I was able to sit here and talk to you about, my experiences without without being a baby the way I used to be and so I, I just had to sit down and say to myself that you're bigger you're stronger you're better than this you can do it Keith and I had to I'm putting it very simply but I had to go through that process in my mind giving myself a mantra getting myself from where I was seeing myself talking to you today Jonathan about my experiences staying calm collected and and delivering a great i hope interview with you yeah oh most definitely i mean there's going to be there are going to be inevitably some people who watch this uh, who will just not entertain the idea of the reality of the existence of the stuff we've been talking about and as such they will shut themselves off from going away and exploring and they will just label both of us as nut job conspiracy theorists yeah. fortunately yeah. We, we both know that and accept that but for those of you we're not saying you have to agree with us but at least do some independent research well, unfortunately spiros is one of them i, I love spiros to bits but he's he's sent me messages that, that the things that i know i've imagined and didn't really happen you know, I, i've had a near i've seen experience. those messages and in fairness because we don't want to get into you know he said that i've seen some of those on the thread and what he actually said 
I know it could be misread, but what he actually said was, do you not think that it could just be that you imagined it? And the truth of the matter is, of course it's possible that you just imagined it. But when, when you take one bit on its own, but when you look at all the other stuff, the more you look at and the more you investigate, the less likely that is uh, a logical or realistic outcome. Uh, well, the the people who, who t- tell me that I just imagine things, they don't look at the whole story, unfortunately, is that there are facts, there are proven facts from my hospital visit, you know, my, my time in hospital, proven yeah. facts that cannot be disputed. You know, like, for instance, all the information I gave them about the hospital that I couldn't possibly know because I was in coma. I was able to describe them the interior of the hospital. I was able to describe what happened around my bed. Mm-hmm. And I was in coma. I couldn't possibly know any of that unless I was remote from my body, unless I was walking around the hospital, looking at what was going around, going on around in the hospital. And no, many people who've had near-death experiences are able to do this. They, they couldn't do this while they're in coma unless their unless their essence was physically walking around the hospital can i throw one at you is it possible do you think maybe and i'm not discounting the out of body thing because you know i wouldn't discount uh anything but given the links with uh tavistock is it not possible that actually at some point the reason you remember stuff that you're not supposed to according to the paperwork and stuff uh is because you actually were walking around and looking at the stuff in the physical form as you are now. It's just that you don't, you weren't able to consciously recall that you were doing that in a physical form because of some form of experimental drug or something they were testing out. Well, well, if if I was actually not paralyzed at all and the whole thing was just programmed into me then then that that could be true and it, it may be that the reason i overcame my paralysis is because i wasn't paralyzed at all and i was just led to believe that and it, it could and i was thinking earlier on when we talked about my mri that that is that is a, an mri of somebody purporting to be mine with 80 percent brain damage that could be a paint shop job it, it you know, an artist could have done that. It might not be me at all. I might have a perfect brain for all I know. I, I can only trust the um, what's on the paper. Mm. I, you know, I, I went through an MRI machine, but for all I know, the machine could have been turned off. It made a lot of noise and buzzing yeah. and stuff. And the whole thing could be a fiction. I, I from From that point of view, I have to agree with you. But, but in either regard, either way, it's still... <laughs> comes to the same conclusion that something remarkably strange compared to most people's normal perceptions, something remarkably strange, whatever the bottom line, took place. And that yes. you're still here defying what they said should be the outcome. Yes, something strange did take, and it has shaped my thinking, and and it has given me what appears to be extraordinary powers because I've been able to do things to help other people 
and and because of the 1939 Cancer Act, I, I can't use this word C-U-R-E, mm -hmm. but, but I have seen extraordinary things happen to people that I couldn't do before, in, including on one occasion when I stopped to give first aid to a dead man who'd been hit by a car. So I'd go over the roof of the car. Yeah. And and I and I was ambulance crew at the time, although I was nowhere near an ambulance. And he'd um, twisted his neck when he landed, bad head injury. And I put my hands on him, and with the compassion in me, I I thought he's he's. And I checked his vital. He was definitely dead. He was kaput. He was gone. Right. I did. I couldn't do CPR because if I did, it would be very violent. And the chances of saving someone with CPR, it's, it's not like in the movies where somebody bursts back in. It doesn't happen. You, you've got you've got twenty percent to, to nil chance of saving someone with CPR. Unless you can get them in an ambulance uh, with a heart start pack and some drugs, but I, I put I had compassion for him and I put one hand on his chest and one hand on his head, and and I wasn't particularly a Christian at the time, but I called on Jesus, mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't even me. Something took over my my voice box and called on Jesus. I said, Jesus, take me. I gave my own life for him, and. And I felt electricity shoot through my arms like I had a heart stop pack in my hands. And his body lifted off the ground about six inches and then it dropped with exactly what I didn't want to happen because I, I thought he might have a broken neck. Yeah. And then, then his eyes opened and he burst into life. And he started talking. It scared the shit out of me. It was not <laughs> expected. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. And this, this is the kind of strange thing that has happened to me more than once throughout my life in the last 41 years. And th these are, and maybe I imagined it all, because equally, because Tavistock has programmed me potentially, and maybe I imagined all of that. But they um, they took him to hospital in the end, strapped to a backboard, he couldn't move an inch. And, it was and I was, and I was very aware of of um, a, a figure standing alongside me that nobody else could see. Let's let's call him Jesus. I, I believe Jesus was just an ordinary man like all of us, but a very aware and clever man who knew that he had these powers that I believe we all have mm -hmm. if we know how to tap them. And I think that's one of the big things the government doesn't want us to know, because if we all knew that and knew how to use them, they'd be in trouble, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, and, and because you've kind of guided it that way to kind of finish up, yeah, we would be in trouble. Um I'm just going to throw a few words at you and I'm going to let you piece them together because you'll know exactly what I'm referring to. But I, I want people to realise your insights on things. There are conspiracy theorists, as the people who want to label us would uh, probably term it, who say there is evidence that um, chloride can uh, cause crystallisation on the pineal gland which some people refer to as the psychic third eye area, and that the reason for the crystallization to be caused purposely through fluoride in water, chloride, um, fluoride, I mean, in water and toothpaste and such like, is because when it crystallizes, because it stops people being as uh, spiritually and consciously aware of how yes. they're being controlled and manipulated. Yes, to keep us asleep. They only want sleepers. They don't want people being awake. Because 
if we were, we'd all become very powerful and the government would lose control of us. And you know what, whether you believe anything at all that myself or Keith have been speaking about doesn't really matter. If as long as you entertain the notion to research it yourself. Um, but even if you don't do that, or it still boils down to this at the end of the day, what I said at the top of the show is still one million percent true. And the evidence is out there that Keith is approached by people who are in this industry, experienced therapists themselves when they want to deal with their issues and he's got a massively big success rate so whether you believe in all the Tavistock stuff or not irrelevant whether you believe in the conspiracy stuff or not irrelevant um if you want a rapid positive solution to your issues even if you're involved in the industry watching this or you're involved in the industry, but because of that, you've got a friend or family member who's too close to you that you don't feel you'd want to treat them yourselves because of that. They know you too much. Then contact Keith because he gets results that I know because I know people he has helped. And with that in mind, could you tell everyone how they get in contact with you, Keith? Yes, uh quick way to contact me is by phoning me on 0208-664-9595. That is a landline. I don't use a phone and I don't use a, mo a smartphone. I mean, that's 0208-664-959. And you can email me at, at hyp hypnosis at uwclub.net. Hypnosis at uwclub.net. And um, give you the phone number again, 0208-664-9595. There's also my website, which is hypnosensei.co.uk. When this video goes live on YouTube, not sure when, but when it does, if you look below the video, guys and girls, you will see a live active hyperlink that you can just click on to take you directly to uh, Keith's website to make it even easier for you and i would encourage you to click on that go take a visit take a look and you will very soon see if you search google for keith anthony taylor or keith taylor hypnosensi uh, and on facebook search that you'll very quickly it's not for me to mention people's names because it's their privilege to do that. Well, you'll see people who publicly posted about how much Keith has helped them change their life in so many ways. And um, you can contact him, I'm sure. Perhaps he'll be able to help you do the same as well. Thank you so much for being so honest, having the balls to talk about stuff that most people wouldn't. Uh, I really do appreciate that. And I'm sure the majority of viewers because there's always going to be some people who just think we're not jobs will also appreciate it greatly as well keith thank you so much sir thank you very much alex it's been great to be on the show uh, i look forward to listening to all of the other shows that you're going to have particularly spyros that's going to be a great show thank you very much bye for now